lately I've been, um, whenever anybody asks me how I'm doing, I'm thinking about what's going on in Ukraine and some of the other things that are going on in the world. And I'm like, you know, I could complain for five minutes or so, but I got nothing to complain about. I'm blessed. host Anna Malikian and before we start with today's show please remember to visit mindset.zone yes instead of .com it's .zone there you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources all at mindset.zone in this episode, we are rebroadcasting a conversation where Jordan Goldrich, the author of Workplace Warrior, interviews me for his namesake podcast, Workplace Warrior. Our subject was, you are your own worst boss. <laughs> Anna is an optimist who had to overcome two bouts with cancer to learn that pursuing happiness is a fallacy and choosing happiness is a much more powerful strategy to tap into your highest potential. So either by working with leaders and their teams or other coaches and consultants, Anna supports her clients to break through their mindset limitations and upgrade their psychological operating system so that they achieve better results than ever in work, in life, and that also they enjoy the process. She's the host of the Mindset Zone podcast, which has been selected for Huffington Post's 15 podcasts that will leave you pondering life's big questions. And I have a hunch we may get into some big questions today. As we talk, and it's listed alongside the Peabody Award winning On Being and TED Radio Hour by NPR. So that's pretty incredible. She was born in Portugal and she now lives in Phoenix, Arizona with her husband, her daughter, and her dog, Puffy. <laughs> I met Anna through the Association of Corporate Executive Coaches, also known as ACEC Association.org. And we're both on the membership committee. And you can find out more about Anna at AnnaMalikian.com. So welcome, Anna. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And it, it feels kind of weird having you on my podcast because <laughs> we connect so, so much in other circles, but it's really, really good. So I'd like to start off by giving our listeners a sense of, you know, what I think is your incredible journey. You know, that ended up with you learning to choose happiness rather than pursue happiness. I, I really like that phrase. And, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about it. And uh, it's life lessons and uh, hopefully learning from them. And as you said, in the when you introduced me, I, I'm lucky to be born an optimist um, with the tendency to see the glass half full. And at the same time, I also part of our culture that I think is a lot about the, the value of pursuing happiness. And I really had that as a goal that I was proud of, and I really aspire to it. 
Um, and um, it took me uh, really the overcoming cancer to realize that it could be a blind spot. Uh, because if we, if we embrace too tight the, the work hard, 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 hard to deserve success, the pursuing happiness can become like the goal that we will never achieve because it's always in the horizon. Uh, and I think that um, we are better served as individuals and as in society if we learn to embrace every little moment. And instead of seeing happiness as a goal, we, see, we can see it as a way of being in our day to day is much more valuable. Yeah, even by using the word choosing rather than pursuing. Mm -hmm. uh, it means you're there and you have choice and power to do it. Yeah, and it's um, a little bit the, the contra-narrative because we live, even in sports, no pain, no gain. We have to push, push, push to get there, hustle. Yes. Uh, and I'm not saying in a, that we don't have to work hard and that life is not tough. What I'm trying is to, and that was the change for me, to even when life gets tough because it gets uh, we still have the power of choosing uh, some of the elements of that yes yes lately I've been um, whenever anybody asks me how I'm doing I'm thinking about what's going on in Ukraine and some of the other things that are going on in the world and I'm like you know I could complain for five minutes or so but I got nothing to complain about I'm blessed <laughs> Uh, and it's always even um, with my journey with cancer that uh, people always say it was not a choice. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yes. Uh, but I can uh, think about worse things than that. Uh, yeah. And even in terms of illness, um, uh, uh, things like Lugaria disease or some other stuff that is all. But it's again, it's if we if we see we always can uh, see things in different perspectives. What is the perspective that we can use to be helpful for us at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me a little bit. I, I read a book recently called uh, The Big Leap, and I actually did a podcast on it a couple of months ago. And the, the guy who wrote that, whose name I'm blocking on at the moment, suggested that when we feel bad and we have our... Uh, in, he didn't use this term, but internal gremlins going. Um, now, what's going on is feeling good is trying to pop out. And we have our we have our internal limitations and and which, you know, which dictate how much happiness, how much abundance, how much success, how much love we're allowed to feel. And actually, it's it's in a, it's a moment where you can make a choice, as you're saying, that. Um, uh, you can either look around for what's trying to pop through that's really positive and more positive than you would allow, or you can feel bad and get caught up in your in your negative conversation. Absolutely. And it's a lot about the learning to really um, our inner critical voice that is so often there. And we I, I think it's important to be aware of it. 
Yes. But then to put it in perspective. And yes. we only can do that by uh, centering ourselves or helps a lot if we manage to press the pause button um, and allow our wiser self to come out a little. And yes. having, having said that, also, I want to add that sometimes, mainly when, because you spoke about the Ukrainian people there, people that are living situations like happening there, they have, all, they feel bad and they have all the reasons to feel bad. We don't, we cannot do a panacea of positive emotions. It's not just a question of, oh, just smile and be happy. Sometimes life circumstances can be very, very hard. And when we are in the middle of it, even let's not go to that extreme of the war, but uh, let's think about a divorce, a job loss. And when things, when the, our world is crumbling around us, I think it uh, doesn't help that positive attitude, just, oh, just smile and be happy. That I think will uh, even can work against this, what we in psychology nowadays, we speak about the toxic positivity. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, that actually, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. No, that term, because there we we uh, we have. If we see things in a very um, sometimes we have to, or not sometimes. I think it's healthy to develop the capacity of um, embracing sometimes contradictory kind of concepts. I think is. Is important to cultivate positivity, to embrace positivity, to make a choice of happiness. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that negative things don't happen and we don't have sometimes to leave a space to mourn and leave a space to process that. Yes. The two things are equally true. Yeah. You know, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm realizing that um, I didn't somehow mention in your um, uh, when I introduced you that you are, I think you have a doctorate in psychology. Is that correct? Yes, correct. And you also have two masters in psychology. <laughs> yes, in psychotherapy. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn. <laughs> wow. Wow. That that was amazing. I didn't know that. I knew you were a doctor, but I didn't I didn't realize that you have your doctorate, but I didn't realize that you have the other two. So one of your topics is the happiness fallacy. And um, I know that there are seven blind spots and you know, give our listeners a sense of, you know, what are the blind spots around the happiness fallacy? And the happiness fallacy is the name of my keynote that I present, uh, and uh, hopefully in the near future also a book. And uh, I really is my mission. I'm I love to study positive psychology, neuroscience, and all the new things that we have in the field of psychology. And at the same time, I like to articulate what we know from research in ways that people can understand without oversimplifying. Because I think sometimes in social media, things are oversimplified. So when I decide to call it the happiness fallacies, it's the misbeliefs around uh, that we have around many of these topics of uh, happiness and well-being that can prevent us from tapping into our potential. And I, in the keynote, I go 
I uncover seven blind spots that is seven seven misbeliefs around this. One of them is to have pursuing happiness as a goal. Okay. Like you spoke here in the beginning, that is the first one. So happiness doesn't need to be a goal. It can be a way of being. And I go over my personal journey uh, to realize, to see my blind spot first and then to see how much more possibilities were open when I start to see happiness as a choice. Another blind spot that I explore is that we touch already here in our conversation today is sometimes the misbelief that it's just a question of smiling and be happy and then things start to fall into place and the the power of positive uh, thinking that exists. And at the same time, if we believe that we can willpower our way into happiness, we are going to fail. It's not just a question of is happiness is something that happens um, in a spontaneous way. We cannot force it. Mm-hmm. It's like, so does, oh, that, does that mean that when my parents, when I was a kid and I was upset, my parents told me snap out of it, that that, that wasn't right? Most of the time doesn't work. <laughs> that was, a, mean, by the way, that was a joke. And, my parents uh, didn't do that. <laughs> but, but we do that to ourselves. We do oh, that. Oh, gosh, we have to feel hope. We have to feel positive. We have to. It's like we have to fall asleep. No, we are not. If they, uh, I like to ask people to imagine that happiness is like a plant. And the plant that we want to share is and that we want to make it grow, that we cannot make to grow this plant by pulling its leaves. If we try to make a plant grow by pulling its leaves, we are killing the plant. So if you are trying to force to be happy, you are is the best recipe for being miserable. But like if you have plants, you can create conditions that allow that plant to thrive. Make sure that humidity is in a good range, that there is a good sun exposure for that plant. And I think for positivity and for happiness in our lives, it's the same thing. We can cultivate positivity and we can create conditions that allow uh, positive emotions to happen. And then uh, we really can build a a better uh, future for ourselves and present for ourselves and for the ones around us, too. Yes. So throw out a couple more. Uh, Okay. Another one that I think and that is like uh, where I I absolutely get in the top of my soapbox. Um, You you said in the introduction that uh, I have a podcast called The Mindset Zone. So that tells something about that, how much I believe in the importance of mindset and the work with mindset. And at the same time, mindsets have limitations to the concept of mindset and the power of changing our thoughts have limitations too. And what I mean by that is that in if we read things on the high-performance world, and in many, even in the coaching world, and even in the psychotherapy, I will argue, world, there is a little bit the, the view that, okay, if we work our mindsets, uh, if we change the way we think, that will change the way we feel, 
the behaviors, the actions that we do, and the results we get. And that is absolutely true. And at the same time, gives these almost uh, unidirectional kind of linear perspective, almost as a causality that the only way to change is changing the thoughts that will change the way we feel, the way we act and the results we get. And I'm not saying that we cannot change in that way. What I'm trying to say is that the mindsets and thoughts are not the be all end all. And sometimes to change, depending on the circumstances, depending on the people, sometimes if we use the behavior, for instance, if you are in a situation that you are really trying very, very hard to change your thinking and, and your mindset and you don't go, you are not getting anywhere, just go for a walk in nature, just disconnect and just that act that action of walking, stop thinking about that and let yourself be, can be the thing that you need at that moment to allow change to happen. Yeah, because it because if I'm understanding what you're saying, it, I think neuro, uh, neuroscience has discovered um, that it, you also have to have an emotional connection. You just can't change what you're thinking. It actually has to be an emotional experience. Yes. And uh, I'm trying to, uh, because I know that when we speak, uh, I know when uh, we are doing a talk or when we are writing, is we have to use a linear kind of thing, first, second, and third. But the reality is a little bit more complex. I like to ask people to imagine that instead of seeing like in a linear way, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, see these as the three sides of a triangle. So if you imagine a triangle, it's a form with three sides. And if any of these sides ceases to exist, you stop having a triangle. You don't have a form. So we need these three dimensions. We need our thinking, our mindsets. We need our feelings, our emotions. And we have behaviors, actions, implementation. All of these are three important sides of us. And uh, we can initiate the process of change by any of these three sides. And any change or transformation in one of the sides is going to have an effect on the other sides. And if we see these in this way, in my opinion, first, we have more options for changing and uh, we have more room to do things in a different way. I, I like to kid that it will not be wonderful if uh, watching an inspiring TED talk was enough to change us. We could right. spend all the day uh, 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 watching inspiring TED Talks, but we know that reality is a little bit more complex than that. Yes. So I, I want to pick up on this and talk about my own experience a little bit with trying to change. But before I do that, I want to take a break and just uh, remind everyone, not, number one, that Anna, uh, who was our guest today, obviously, uh, is the host of the Mind Zone podcast. And again, 
it's been selected for the Huffington Post 15 podcasts that will leave you pondering life's big questions. And you can listen to her very powerful podcast conversations at uh, HTTP mindset.zone. And uh, I also want to mention that the Workplace Warrior podcast is sponsored by Workplace Warrior Inc. And we partner with strong, successful leaders to be completely authentic while they accomplish their mission and take results to an even higher level. And if you're an executive who'd like to have a complimentary conversation about driving results without damaging relationships, you can contact me at jordan at jordangoldrich.com. And so um, where I wanted to go with that, let's, yeah, let's and, and before you go there, I just for the listeners that are listening now. So you are listening in the Workplace Warrior podcast, subscribe to this podcast first. It's so easy to subscribe. And if you can write it really helps to for more people afterwards to see it. And of course, after that, you can go to look in your podcast app to mindset.zone or mind, without the dot, mindset zone, and you will find my podcast that I would love you to follow me there too. So, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And, and by the way, just drop two or three titles and who you interview because it's very impressive. I had um, in my podcast uh, had the opportunity of speaking with people from the authors and uh, people in the podcasting world. I had the pleasure of interviewing my mentor and friend, um, Michael Port, in my podcast. I also interview people that maybe are not so known for the uh, general public, but they are they doing transformational work out there like Liba Pinchot uh, that has incredible work in the sustainability and um, she worked with big organizations with this concept of entrepreneurship and um, people like C.B. Bowman that is the founder of the ACC that we spoke here but also um, even uh, people, uh, their authors, like the writer, he wrote this bu beautiful book that I really recommend. Is existentialism? Now you are putting me on the spot, and I don't want uh, to um, to give it a different name than uh, the name. So give me just one moment. Oh, here. it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's okay not to be perfect, but listen. Uh, let me let, while you're looking. Let me interrupt and mention that I interviewed CB on one of my podcasts, one of the real early ones, and um, I and I was on her podcast as I know you were. And CB is really incredible. She's the founder of the Association of Corporate Executive Coaches, and boy, did she challenge me! I can't remember whether she challenged me on my podcast or on. I know she challenged me on hers. So, and hers wasn't a podcast. Hers was a uh, LinkedIn Live. But um, did you have that same experience? With oh her? yes, she always, how do you say? She she asks very powerful questions, and um, and and the the LinkedIn Live then becomes a podcast, so people can find it in the. I think if they look for CB Live, they will find their podcasts, and is always. Very interesting to have conversations and to listen to our conversations, and in, because you really get a different perspective. And uh, 
people have to go outside their sound bites. Let's put it that way. So I'm going to do a quick break. We are speaking about uh, other people that I had the privilege to talk to. And I was saying people like uh, Greg McKinnon, obviously he, he wrote his Essentialism. And now he has the book, more recent book is The Eff- uh, Effortless. And one conversation, we were speaking about interesting conversations that sometimes we can have in podcasting. Uh, I had the, the privilege of interviewing the grandson of Viktor Frankl. Oh, my Al- God. Alexander Vasali. That that was one of the joys that um, um, interesting to be able to. And yes, he's a director and producer. And he has a beautiful book about his grandfather that I really advise people to to check it out. Oh, my gosh. I did not realize that I am going to have to go because Viktor Frankl was made a very big uh, impact on my life. And he also made a very big impact on uh, psychology in terms of how therapy was produced. And his book was called Man's Search for Meaning. Meaning. Yep. And it was written, obviously, before the current women's movement. But it, <laughs> yes. but basically, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he shared his uh, perception that uh, the people who came out of uh, concentration camps, you know, relatively intact, had purpose. Yeah. And that was that was really a change for me, because before that, I had been introduced to Freudian and cognitive behavioral. And um, I, I had not really started thinking about purpose until I, I read his book. That was where I got introduced. And think about how important is that today? Because even when we think about in companies now, everybody's speaking about the great resignation is not one of the reasons that so many people are changing if they can or trying to find something else, the lack of purpose, the lack of meaning in what they right. are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that is the core that you really underline looking for that meaning and that purpose in our lives um, in psychotherapy that this was helping people. But in general, I think that is so important and so timely even today. I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, even in, um, you know, there's uh, Simon Sinek is now um, has start with why and find your why. And he has very beautifully um, talked about, you know, many thousands of years at this point of philosophy that basically says you need to know who you are and why you're there. He's got some different language around it, but increasingly it's really about what do you stand for as a human being and who are you and and what are your core values? And there is always, we can as individuals articulate it in different ways that resonate and the more meaningful for us. And I will argue that at the end of the day, there is a common theme is making a positive impact and uh, a sense of leaving some kind of positive legacy out there. Uh, how are we making a positive difference? I, I totally agree. I think, yeah, except for the 
<laughs> what is it, 13% of people or 3% of people who are sociopaths who don't care? Um, for most of us, that's really important to make a positive difference. Yeah. Unfortunately, that small percentage, if they have position of power, uh, can do a lot of damage. Absolutely. That is one of the um, things I have found about uh, executives who uh, are experienced as abrasive and even called bullies and a few other interesting names is that most of them don't want to hurt people. And they don't realize the impact they're having. And most of them feel like the pressure that they get to be more polite and take care of people and be more protective is kind of politically correct bull. <laughs> and one of the things that, you know, and, and, and for my listeners who know me, um, you know, I once lost a job over that. And at some point and at some point I, I had similar beliefs. And at some point I realized that being a successful leader, which I really wanted to be, had to do with having, you know, hearing what people are saying, because they know stuff that I don't know. And what I find is that most of the leaders, after they get past, I shouldn't have to do this and don't push me to be polite, actually can find some very core reasons why it would be authentic for them to be more respectful. And again, it's going to that what we are speaking that, that we have to be able to embrace things that at the surface seem contradictory or, or opposites. Yes. Because uh, it's transcend, go beyond the, the, that level. Because, uh, yes, we want to listen. And we also, as leaders, have to take charge. Uh, and we have to accomplish goals. But there are different ways to lead our team to do that. Yes. By the way, in, in our previous conversations, um, you were, uh, I use the Navy SEALs ethos to talk about uh, powerful leadership. And a couple of pieces of it are um, take charge, lead their teams, and accomplish the mission. And uh, one of the things that you had mentioned to me is that you really relate to that in terms of, you know, being your own, thinking about your own self. But you also see it as connected to being your own worst boss. And I'm curious about that. Yeah, the thing is that uh, many coaches, consultants and uh, experts, we decide to go to do our own business because, OK, it's the time for it. We want to leave an impact out there. And uh, uh, we have our list of uh, complaints about our previous bosses. And what I find interesting is that um, sometimes we fall into the trap of uh, becoming uh, the things that we criticize that we didn't like, we are doing to ourselves. That is when I, that I say we become our own worst bosses. And uh, having first starting with awareness, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we letting this inner critic to bully us in so many different ways? Yes. Uh, that allow us to, okay, what can I learn for leaders, like you're saying, uh, from other fields and leaders we admire and we still can't take? Because sometimes it's the idea that if we are not bullying us to do things, almost uh, we are going to be lazy and not do anything. No. We can, like you are saying, what were the three things? We can take charge, lead ourselves and the people that we work with, 
and accomplish our goals, we absolutely can do that without bullying ourselves, without demeaning, but by learning how to become better self-leaderships. And so much in the leadership training is about becoming uh, about self-leadership. Absolutely. Actually, I just remembered there was something I was going to ask you about before, and it's it's came back. So I have a very um, critical leader (laughs) inside, and um, I've been working on it now for many, many years. And what I find is that at this point, I've, I've just had to accept it and also recognize that my bull, my internal bully actually has my best interests at heart. Doesn't want me to fail, is worried that this is going to happen, is, you know, just wants me to be the best. And but a lot of times it's just wrong. And I have um, not been able to get rid of it, but I have certainly been able to uh, have convers different kind of conversation with it over the years. And he, he, my bully has calmed down a whole lot. Yeah. And I'm curious as to how you approach it. And I think uh, because some of that uh, inner critics, they are there for a reason. They were important in some moment of our lives. They even save us in some moment in our lives and our development, good or bad, maybe there will have been a better way, but we develop that way to take us out of some kind of situation. Yes. Uh, The problem is that uh, uh, when they they get in overdrive and uh, when they, they start to live rent free in our heads and we are not putting them in their place. Yes, um, because there is a side. I'd say the, you're saying help me achieve things. Wanting to achieve things and goals is a, a positive drive. If we get it in overdrive, then starts to push us down and working against us. So, how can we listen to the important information that sometimes they are calling our attention to, but then put them in their place and really okay, I heard what I need to heard about that. So now you got my attention. Thank you. Bye-bye. You can yes. go, you can shrink in size <laughs> and let me see what my wise, the, the wiser self, my self-guide, my self-leader has to say about this. And now can use this information in a, a more meaningful way. Uh, and the, to do that, this, the, 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 because it's a lot about stopping the reactive mode and be more proactive. Gosh, yeah. this is in Steve Covey that popularized, popularized this. And the, the, the big thing is that the pause button that we have to press to not react and to be able to choose our response. Yeah. That is the critical element, in my I, opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's interesting how how I have a slightly different internal conversation with my uh, with my internal critic, but it's almost the same. It's sort of like, thank you for sharing. <laughs> I know you have my best interest at heart. Yes. And uh, I've been thinking about this and I'm going to try something else. So calm down. <laughs> yes. and, and I love that is is from a very positive place, a very positive conversation. So love that. Absolutely love it. So 
you know, this may be a, I'm looking at the clock here and realizing that we're coming down towards the end and I'm thinking this might be a good place for me to ask you, do you, do you have any last thoughts for our audience? And be gentle with themselves. So if you are listening, yes, there is a lot of room to grow. There is a lot of things that we can improve. And one of the best skills that we can learn is to be gentle with ourselves. Um, and that doesn't mean that we are not going to inspire ourselves to change, to become better people, but it's not by bullying ourselves that we are going to get there faster. Absolutely. And I think the real key is, you know, working with somebody like yourself to figure out how to do that. Yep. And we know so much. We have uh, in, in terms of the psychology, I know that you also have a background in psychology and psychotherapy and you bring a, a lot of that to your to inform the, the amazing work that you do with the abrasive leaders and companies nowadays. We know so we have so much more information nowadays about the, how to tap into the human potential how to help individuals, teams, companies to be much more from that, uh, uh, cultivating positive standpoint and the increased performance with a purpose, um, that uh, not being actualizing that knowledge, I think is um, something that I'm in a mission to change. Yeah. Well, super. And if uh, somebody wanted to connect with you and have a conversation with you about their mission to change, uh, how might they do that? The easiest way and the evergreen way is possibly go to my website. That is my first name, Anna, A-N-A, last name Malikian, M-E-L-I-K-I-A-N.com. And there will be a contact page that will have the, my update information to reach me out. This episode was rebroadcast here at the Mindset Zone with explicit consent from Jordan Goldrich, the host of the Workplace Warrior. Let's support each other. Please follow his amazing podcast wherever you listen this podcast. Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.